Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Hello, everyone. Hope you are having a fabulous Friday. It is Greg Peterson coming at you with MLB Overtime Betting. Broadcasting from the Azuni Tequila Studios out here in lovely Las Vegas, we've got a tremendous show for you as NBC Sports Radio's Tim Murray is going to be joining me in the second segment. He hosts the Daily Line, 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern, noon to 4 p.m. Pacific time. Going to talk a little bit about the Washington Nationals. Going to break down today's slate. Just going to get what he sees in general out there in baseball. It's going to be a lot of fun. In the final segment, I give you a side and total on every game on the Las Vegas betting board. And a little something I like to call touch them all. Did not get any Twitter questions for the podcast today. As always, if you have one that you'd like me to answer on air, tweet it in at unitars41. As per usual, do not DM them. I will never see them because I don't check my DMs, but as always, feel free to launch them into the timeline. But now, let's take a look back at the results from Thursday, try to become better handicappers from it, and try to find some trends. So who's streaking and who is slumping? It is time for Rakers and Fakers. Going into Thursday, Shane Bieber and Mike Miner had been two of the best under pitchers out there in the big leagues. These guys were a combined 22 to the under, 7 to the over, and wouldn't you know it, they play another under as the Texas Rangers take down the Cleveland Indians by a count of 4-2. to Everyone keeps saying that there's going to be regression for Mike Miner. There continues to not be. He was terrific in this game. Eight innings pitch. He gives up one run. He had three walks. 252 is now ZRA. He's been great. And then for the Texas Rangers, they were able to do a good job of being able to get something going in the eighth inning as 
for this team. They had a pair of home runs. It was Danny Santana and Elvis Andrews getting their seventh home runs of the year. Those both came those both came off of A.J. Cole, who has been doing a good job for the Indians bullpen, who has been great all year in general, but he wound up giving up those two home runs. And for Shane Bieber, a pretty good start in this one. He gave up two runs in the first inning, which wound up giving him the loss. But all in all, he settled down from there. Six innings pitch, he gives up two runs, both of which were earned, 386 ERA. And then for the Cleveland Indians, they were able to tack on a home run late. Carlos Santana notched his 15th home run of the year. That came off of reliever Sean Kelly, but all in all, the Texas Rangers also doing a much better job with their relievers. The Colorado Rockies have had shaky relief pitching recently, but they were able to get a 6-4 extra inning win over the Arizona Diamondbacks. For the Diamondbacks, this is just a game of squandered opportunities. In the first six innings of the game, they wound up leaving 11 men on base, and they were able to chase starter Jeff Hoffman before the third inning was done. Jeff Hoffman, two and two-thirds innings. He gets his pitch count all the way up to 82 because he issued four walks, but he only gives up one run. From there, Chad Bettis, two and two-thirds innings. He gives up two earned runs, and then from there, the bullpen of the Colorado Rocky is very good, and I use from there quite a few times, so I'm sorry about that, but Cesar Estevez gives up a run, and nobody else that came into the game for the Rockies gave up anything as Scott Oberg wound up getting the win. You had Jari Odias give another quality outing, and McGee also looks out, and for the Arizona Diamondbacks, it was Greg Holland who wound up giving up the run that sent this game to extra innings in the ninth inning, and then Yoshi Hirano winds up giving up two runs in the tenth inning to the Colorado Rockies. Robbie Ray a little bit shaky in this one. He wound up giving up two home runs, six innings pitch. He gives up three runs, all of which were earned, and then Andrew Chafin was able to do his job, and for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they were able to get a home run off of Mr. Bettis. That came off the bat of Christian Walker. That is his 13th of the year, and for the Colorado Rockies, Ian Desmond and Charlie Blackman went deep. For Blackman, his 17th, and for Desmond, his 10th. Those both came off of Robbie Ray. For the Houston Astros and the New York Yankees, there were a whole lot of runs in this game, despite the fact that the game was 0-0 going into the fourth inning. The Yankees blew it open from there with six runs in a fourth inning that included a rain delay for the Houston Astros. The start for Fambar Valdez did not go as planned. He gave up five runs in three and a third innings, including two home runs. He had been doing a good job in his couple spot starts before then, but things unraveled from there. You had Chris Stavinsky give up a run while recording two outs out there in the bullpen. Rogelio Amarantos wound up giving up two runs in two innings of relief, and then you had Josh James giving up two runs in relief as well. But for the Houston Astros, they were able to get some home runs in this one. You had Alex Bregman going deep. That was his 21st home run of the year. Jordan Alvarez winds up getting his fifth home run in less than two weeks. And then Jake Marizic gets two home runs, his seventh and eighth home runs of the year. As for the New York Yankees, they did their wholesale approach. Chad Green pitches two innings. He didn't give up anything. Nestor Cortez Jr. followed him up. He wound up giving up two runs, but those were the only two runs that he gave up. Tommy Camley gave up a solo home run. And then David Hale in two and two-thirds innings, not his strongest outing, gave up three runs, including one of those home runs. But for the New York Yankees, they also supplied some power. Edwin Encarnacion off of Amarantos gets his 23rd home run of the year. DJ LeMayu goes deep off of Chris Davinsky for his ninth home run of the year. And then Gary Sanchez, his 22nd home run of the year, that was off of Mr. Valdez. And Glaber Torres also goes deep off of Valdez, his 17th of the year. As the New York Yankees just so hot to the over right now. This team is really mashing. The Washington Nationals have been very good to the over recently as well. And they take down the Philadelphia Phillies by kind of 7-4. In this one, Nick Pavetta wound up coming back down to earth. Five and a third innings. 
gives up six runs, all of which were earned, including two home runs, and then giving up a home run of his own was Yudubre Ramos, who now is a 4.26 ERA, but then you were able to get a inning of relief from J.D. Hammer, who didn't get hammered, so you got to enjoy that, but for the Philadelphia Phillies, they did have two guys doing some hammering. Jay Bruce hits his sixth home run as a Philadelphia Philly. I believe that is now his 20th home run of the year, might be his 19th, but he's been doing a solid job, and then Gene Segura is seventh of the campaign. As for the Washington Nationals, going deep in this one, Kurt Suzuki is eighth home run of the year. Anthony Rendon continues to be on the power surge. His 17th home run of the year. And then you had Victor Robles, his 11th home run of the year. As Eric Fetty, he got whopped out of this game early. Three and two-thirds innings. He gives up two runs, both of which were earned. He got his pitch count all the way up to 85. Mark Grace gives up a run in relief. And you actually saw some good signs out of the bullpen. And Santa Rainey also gave up a run, but... All in all, not a bad showing from this bullpen. They wind up going five and a third innings, giving up two runs. So perhaps there's a little bit of improvement for that Washington Nationals bullpen. There certainly hasn't been much improvement for the bullpen of the LA Angels, and they lose the Toronto Blue Jays by a count of seven to five in ten innings. In this one for the LA Angels, you can hang your hat on Luis Rangifo getting his second home run of the year. That came off of Clayton Richard, and Jose Suarez winds up giving up five runs in five innings. He did not have his best start. And then from there, you actually had, in regulation, the LA Angels being able to do a good job out there in the bullpen. But in the 10th inning, Ty Buttery winds up giving up a two-run home run to end the game. So, obviously, that was a little bit of a heartbreaker. As for the Toronto Blue Jays, being able to supply that home run in the 10th inning was Billy McKinney. That is his fourth home run of the year, a man that we have not seen very much of recently. And then you also had Eric Sogard and Teoscar Hernandez both getting their seventh home runs of the year. Lords Goriel has been terrific since coming off the injured list. His ninth of the campaign, Clayton Richard, not a good start once again for him. He's got a 7.46 ERA. He's got to be on your fade list. Five innings pitch. He gave up that home run and four runs. But the Toronto Blue Jays bullpen in this one looked much better. They went a combined five innings, giving up just one run. Tim Meza wound up giving up that one run. So some good signs for the birds and some good signs for the fish if you're looking to get that in your diet as they were able to take down the St. Louis Cardinals by a count of 7-6 to six in extra innings. And this one, Zach Gallen making his MLB debut. Very, very big prospect. He was part of the Marcel Ozuna deal, ironically enough. Five innings pitch. He gives up one run. And then you had a bunch of scattered runs given up by the bullpen of the Miami Marlins. They gave up five runs across six innings. Sergio Romo gave one up. Tehran Guerrero gave up two of them. Nick Anderson gave up a run. And then Weyong Chen gave up one as well. So... All in all, a lot of runs given up, but you did have JT Riddle going deep in the 11th inning off of Andrew Miller for his third home run of the year. That was a difference maker. And then Brad Anderson, his ninth of the campaign. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, Adam Wainwright continues to be a gentleman that's giving decent but not good starts. Five and a third innings, he gives up three runs, all of which were earned. Andrew Miller takes a loss in this one. He's got a 430 ADRA. He gave up that home run to Riddle late. And then you also had Joe Breba giving up a run out there in the bullpen as well. And getting some unlikely power was Tommy Edmond. He gets his first home run of the year. Quite honestly, I'd never heard of him until he just popped up on my screen. So good for him, but another tough one for the St. Louis Cardinals who appear to be scuffling. Out there in the NL Central, the Milwaukee Brewers are also scuffling. The Cincinnati Reds continue their hot play. They take down the Brewers by a count of 7-1. If you take a look at the Cincinnati Reds, that is now five straight wins for them. And in this one, they were able to jump all over Jimmy Nelson. And it started with being able to get three runs in the first inning. You had a little bit later on Jose Iglesias getting his fifth home run of the year off of Mr. Nelson. And then Nick Senzel was able to get to the bullpen as well. He gets his seventh home run of the year off of Freddie Peralta. And for Jimmy Nelson, 
This is not the guy that we saw in 2017. Five innings pitch, gives up five runs, all of which were earned. Freddie Peralta gives up two runs and two innings of relief as well. The Milwaukee Brewers have some issues with their middle relief. And Jimmy Nelson, a guy that you cannot trust. You can trust in Christian Yelich, though, who provided the only run for the Milwaukee Brewers. His 28th home run of the year, that came off of Tanner Roark, and that was his lone blemish. In six innings pitch, Tanner Roark gives up that solo home run and nothing else. And then from there, you had the Cincinnati Reds and their terrific bullpen go three innings pitch. Zach Duke gave up one hit in one inning of relief and then giving up one hit in two innings of relief, Jared Hughes. So they have certainly been doing their job. Speaking of teams that are doing their job, the Chicago Cubs, they wind up taking down the New York Mets by a count of 7-4. Things look to be on the fritz a little bit for this team as they were down 3-0 going into the third inning, but then they were able to hang a sixth spot off of one Walker Lockett. Lockett goes two and a third innings. He gives up six runs, all of which were earned. This is a guy that should not have been called up to the majors, and we know why. I will say from there, the Mets bullpen, five and two-thirds innings. They give up one run. Robbie Gazelman gave up that one run, but you had guys like Brooks Pounders and Wilmer Font being able to do a good job of being able to bridge some innings together. And for the Mets, they did get a pair of home runs. Todd Frazier, his seventh home run of the year, and... Pete Alonzo, his 25th. And for the Chicago Cubs, Tyler Chatwood in this one. Not necessarily a great start. Four innings pitch, he gives up three runs, but just two of which were earned. You also had an unlikely source of long relief as Edbert Alozle. I hope I'm saying that last name correctly. Alozle? Maybe? It's one of those. I, I've tried. I gave you my best attempt. Four innings pitch, he gives up one run, including a solo home run. And then Steve Ciszek closes the door, but... For the Chicago Cubs, Javi Baez, he had a triple and a home run in this one. The home run off of Giselman, his 18th of the year. As the Cubs continue to be very dominant at home. The Cubs' home record now, 26-12. and That is second best out there in the big leagues to only the LA Dodgers. The Kansas City Royals were able to get a home win of their own against the Minnesota Twins. For the Minnesota Twins, there's not a lot of power in this one. They got a grand total of five hits. The lone run came off a solo home run by Jorge Polanco. His 11th home run of the year, and Jake Odorizzi got knocked out of this game early. He winds up going four innings, giving up just four runs. You got to give it up to Cole Stewart, though. He winds up pitching four innings for relief, giving up two hits, no earned runs, so good on him. But for the Kansas City Royals, they were able to jump all over Odorizzi, and then they got a terrific start from Glenn Sparkman, who has a 3.62 ERA. This is clearly not the gentleman that was just a complete mess last year. Seven innings pitch, gives up one run, that's still a home run, and then from there, Jake Diekman and Ian Kennedy are able to close the door. So the Kansas City Royals have now won three out of their last four. The Tampa Bay Rays, well, they are a scuffling right now. They have lost eight out of their last 10 games, and the way they blew it on Thursday is absolutely amazing, as the Oakland A's win this one by a count of five to four. If you had the Rays in the under in this one, I light a candle for you because Charlie Morton in this one, pretty darn good for the Tampa Bay Rays. Six and a third innings. He gives up just one run. That one run was a sole home run for the Oakland A's. Being able to provide that was Rickson Profar, his 10th home run of the year. And then the other home run would come in the bottom of the ninth inning as Diego Castillo records two outs, but he gives up four. Count them four runs after the Tampa Bay Rays played it three in the ninth. At the end of the eighth inning, the game was one-to-one. The Rays get three runs of their own. Tommy Pham had a home run earlier in the game off of Frankie Montas' 11th home run of the year. But for the Oakland A's in that ninth inning, it was Blake trying to wound up giving up three runs without recording a single out. And then the Oakland A's returned the favor as hitting a three-run home run to walk it off. Matt Chapman, his 17th home run of the year. And for Frankie Montas, he goes eight innings, giving up one run. So very tough that he got the no decision there. You can certainly continue to trust in Frankie Montas. But something that you really can't trust in, 
How about the Baltimore Orioles as they get two runs off the stupid opener of the Seattle Mariners. The Mariners have now done the opener seven times and the opener has given up multiple runs five times. But then from there, Wade LeBlanc was absolute magic for the Seattle Mariners as the opener in this game was Taylor Scott. He records two outs. He gives up two runs, but then Wade LeBlanc. Six and a third innings from there, gives up four hits, no earned runs, and then you had Rayonis Ellis and Austin Adams combined for two innings of relief as well for the Seattle Mariners. Despite the fact that they've sold away some pieces, they've still got some power going. Omar Navarez, his 11th home run of the year, and Domingo Santana's 16th as Dylan Bundy wound up giving up those two home runs. He came back to earth in this one. Five and a third innings. He gives up four runs, all of which were earned. I will say from there, the Baltimore Orioles, not necessarily the worst bullpen showing. Evan Phillips winds up giving up a run in an inning, but all in all, the bullpen was able to go two and two-thirds innings. They give up one run, so not bad there, but the Baltimore Orioles, only four hits in this one. They were able to get to the Mariners opener, and then they were able to do nothing else. But then how about the way that this one wraps up as the San Francisco Giants go on the road against the L.A. Dodgers. They are down going into the ninth inning by a count of 9-4. to four. They then played four runs in the top of the ninth inning. It wasn't quite enough in this one, but the San Francisco Giants found a rally. The Dodgers survive and advance barely. They get their 30th home win of the year, so obviously they're doing a great job at home, but... 9-8 to eight the final in this one. As if it wasn't for Madison Bumgarner having one of his worst start in ages, this game would have been a San Francisco Giants win. He goes three and two-thirds innings. He gives up six runs, including two home runs. He had Sam Dyson giving up two runs out there in the bullpen and Derek Holland giving up a run as well as for the LA Dodgers. They were hot with the bats in this one. Jack Peterson, his 20th home run of the year. Austin Barnes, his fifth home run of the year. And Kyle Garlick, for the second time in two days, it's a home run. That is his second home run of the year. And then you add essentially the wholesale approach. Julio Arias gets a start. He goes three innings, doesn't give up a run. JT Charigos, who we just have not seen much of so far this year. Two innings, he gives up one run. Ross Stripling does not give up a run in two innings of relief. And then that's where things got weird as... Josh Sorbus, I hope I'm saying that last name correctly, S-B-O-R-Z, you ask me, you tell me how that's pronounced. One inning pitch, he gives up three runs, all of which were earned, and then Kenley Jansen was able to put out the fire, giving up just one run in the ninth inning as well. So that was something that was very, very interesting to say the least, as it was just absolute ma'am for the San Francisco Giants. They only had one home run in this one. That was off of Ross Stripling, and that was by Mikey Stremski, his fourth of the year, and I actually lied. Ross Stripling gave up three runs in this one. It was just that none of those three runs were earned because the LA Dodgers wound up committing two errors behind them. So it was one of those things that it was very, very herky-jerky, to say the least, as it was a herky-jerky day in general out there on Thursday. But what did we learn? Shane Bieber and Mike Miner continue to be under pitchers, and the Texas Rangers, without Joey Gallo, just continue to play unders. The Colorado Rockies just continue to play insane games, and they continue to have their offense going. For the New York Yankees, they continue to cash their overs, and the Houston Astros currently in a little bit of a funk. The Washington Nationals have certainly been playing their fair share of overs. The LA Angels just continue to have struggling arms out there in general, whether it be starting pitching or relief pitching. The Miami Marlins might be seeing a little bit of value, and the St. Louis Cardinals certainly not getting their best bullpen pitching. The Milwaukee Brewers are certainly scuffling. They have now lost seven out of their last eight, and the Cincinnati Reds, they continue to play unders. They're playing them at a clip of about 67%, and they are currently on a good winning streak. The Chicago Cubs continue to be dominant at home, and the New York Mets need to find some pitching of their own. 
Flynn Sparkman appears to be a guy that you could trust for the Kansas City Royals. The Tampa Bay Rays are currently in a big giant funk. The San Francisco Giants are actually playing quite a few overs right now, and the Mariners should just retire the opener and never bring it back because everyone else is doing pretty well for them. So that was Thursday. Now let's take a look forward to Friday. Let's get a little bit of a Washington, D.C. feel on this show and helping me do so. Tim Murray of the opening line on NBC Sports Radio is going to be joining me next right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia Hotline. We are back here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson broadcasting from the Azunia Tequila Studios out here in lovely Las Vegas. Great to have on our next guest. He has joined this fine podcast a few times, and he always does stellar work. You can follow him on Twitter, at one Tim Murray. He is the host for NBC Sports Radio's The Daily Line. You can catch that Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern on the East Coast. If you live out here on the West Coast, that is noon to 4 p.m. Pacific time. This is a man that does a little bit of everything based out there in Washington, D.C. I know that he does a lot with Navy athletics as well, and he's just an all-around good guy. And Tim, how are you doing today? GP, what's up, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing great as well. Thank you so much for joining me. And a team that's not doing so well right now is Washington Nationals. Things have been all over the place for this team. In their doubleheader, they were able to get the win against Philadelphia Phillies, but all in all, this team has been a mess. Bullpen ERA right around six, and I do feel like these games that have been rained out for them is actually a bad thing because now they're going to have to play more doubleheaders, and when you have a team with a bad bullpen, it taxes that bad bullpen even further. Do you think that there's going to be a lot of value in fading the Washington Nationals in these doubleheader situations? Because I just don't see how a bad bullpen gets any better when you have to dive into it even deeper. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was watching the game on Wednesday afternoon, the, the game the Nats won 6-2. I, I consider myself uh, different jobs take you down different avenues and you're paying attention a little bit more, a little bit less to specific things. So I looked up and I said, who is that? Like Ace Ventura, <laughs> you know, looking for Ray Finkel. I had no idea who Javi Guerrera was, but uh, the Nats... Picked him up from the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, so he was out there. And they're just trying to piece this thing together. This Nats team is interesting, and I know we're going to get to the pitching matchups to, on, on Friday. You know, I think they have an interesting one tonight going up against the Braves. But they've actually been playing decent baseball since towards the end of May. So I don't know if this is the team you definitely want to fade right now, because it seems like they're playing great baseball. But look, if you're looking at long-term odds, I have a hard time believing that this Nats team, as it's currently constructed with that bullpen, as you pointed out, can really make a run, and which is disappointing because, you know, you look at some of the offensive pieces that they have, you think about the addition of Patrick Corbin to this rotation with Steven Strasburg and Max Scherzer, you'd think, wow, this team should be good. I bought two futures on them to win the NL East because I felt like this team was constructed to win the division this year, but unless something drastically changes, and look, a guy like Tanner Rainey has been pretty good Someone they have picked up from the Reds for Tanner Roark. He's been pretty strong out of the bullpen, but they just have no one other than Sean Doolittle they can really trust coming out of that bullpen, which is scary. And I'll say this too, GP, Sean Doolittle, just he, he pitches way too much in my opinion. The, the usage rate for him, for me as a Nats fan, and I think if you're, you're looking to make money or going with or against the Nats, I just think at some point Sean Doolittle might break down. We saw him blow a save a couple 
outings to go against the Padres. I think that was, you know, a couple weekends back. So right now they're trying to limit his usage, but they really need to make sure they don't use him too much. They're playing all right baseball at this point in time, and they got a huge series coming up against the Braves, which is massive considering the way they've been playing. Unless they figure out this bullpen long term, yeah, feels like this Nats team, you know, as a long term play, just seems like a good spot to either stay away or, you know, hedge your bets, maybe throw a little fade on the Nats. So what you're saying is the Nats should do little with Doolittle coming up so that way he's fresh down the stretch as we've got Tim Murray joining (laughs) me right here on the podcast. And you do allude to that game on Friday. It's going to be so interesting because you've got Dallas Keuchel for the Atlanta Braves. We currently have no line on this game. We know Dallas Keuchel is a great pitcher, but we just notice it time and time again, especially this year. Guys in their first start, they just aren't sharp. I would take the Nats in this spot in the first five. So, look, Dallas Keuchel, I worked in the minor leagues for a while. I'm looking at what he did uh, as a part of the Mississippi Braves in the Southern League in his last outing before he got to the big leagues. Gave up 11 hits, three earned, and seven innings. Sometimes those numbers are a bit misleading, Greg, because they're just trying to work on things. So I wouldn't put a ton of stock in that. However, the 11 hits does bug me that he gave up the 11 hits a little bit over 100 pitches in his last tune-up, you know, making his season debut, his Braves debut tonight against the Washington Nationals. So as we've talked about, can't trust this Nats bullpen. So if you're getting anywhere in, in short juice, whether it's, you know, 120 minus 110, something like that, I'm really looking hard at the Nats in the first five against the Braves because I think people are going to look at the fact that Dallas Keuchel's making his season debut and they're going to love the Braves, especially. Greg, as they have played so well as of late. The Nats are at home, so got a little positive there for the Nationals. But I would look long and hard at the first five here for the Nats against the Atlanta Braves. It is so interesting, as we do have Tim Murray joining me right here on the podcast. And we always bring up pitchers that are making you money, losing you money. And we were talking about the Atlanta Braves a little bit earlier. Most runs out there of any team in the month of June, and I believe it's by a full run as well. So they've been white hot, but... How about a team that's been white out all year long, the Minnesota Twins? If you bet on them in every game so far this year, they're the most profitable team out there in the big leagues. But you've got an interesting pitching matchup. For the Kansas City Royals, you've got Jacob Junis going out there. Last week when Jacob Junis went up against the Minnesota Twins, he was able to get the win. And Martin Perez, in his last start against the Kansas City Royals, got blown up. And Martin Perez has not been the same pitcher, 7-3 record, but a 4-0-9 ERA for him. Jacob Junis has been all over the place. He's given up 15 home runs. A little bit under 83 innings so far this year. The Kansas City Royals, no doubt, going to be a massive underdog in this one. Do you think there might be some value in fading the Minnesota Twins here down the stretch? Because obviously, they've had such a great start to the year, but you got to feel like this team is going to come back to earth at some point. Yeah, I mean, at some point, you would think this is this is not going to last. And as you mentioned, you know, Martin Perez, that ERA has been on a steady climb these handful of starts. Last four starts, six earned, two earned, but five total runs, four earned, four earned. So, Greg, you know this better than I do, and and I'm sure your listeners as well. If there are a couple games out there where we can get, you know, plus $2 or something in in that ballpark, it's worth taking a risk on a couple of them because if one of them hits, it's going to pay off. So, look, if you're going to give me Kansas City potentially in the plus $2 range against Minnesota, yeah, I'm looking to potentially fade the Twins. I, I just have a hard time believing this Twins team. And not to say they're not good, but I mean, are they really going to be popping bottles in October? Maybe, but uh, I, I still 
would, would have a hard time seeing it. So look, the Royals have been a rather tragic situation this year. One of the worst teams in all of baseball, but yeah, man, I mean, it's a Friday night. Let's make some money. Absolutely. As we do have Tim Murray joining me and it's always good to make money. A team that has not been making you money, Baltimore Orioles. And something I've noticed about the Seattle Mariners is that they've been using this opener thing, and it just has not gone as planned, to say the least. Now, they've got Mike Leake on the mound on Friday. They're not going to be using an opener for him unless if there's something unbeknownst to me. But Mike Leake giving up 22 home runs in 95 and two-thirds innings. That leads the league. But what do you make out of the Seattle Mariners just using this whole stupid opener situation? Because we saw it again on Thursday, and four out of the first six times they used the opener, the opener gave up two-plus runs. Wouldn't you just put on the situation and say, you know what, this is a failed experiment because they probably should have done it after the first time, but yet they've used it five more times and it keeps blowing up in their face. Yeah, I go back and forth on the opener situation. I know it worked a lot last year for Tampa, but yeah, I don't know. Look, I'm all for innovative ideas, but if it's blowing up in your face, what what are we doing here? So, you know, should we look with Mike Leak? They're not going to mess around. You're out west. Is this a situation where we potentially look unders? We look, you know, first five under in this spot. I wouldn't mind doing a first five under. You talk about another bullpen that you just can't trust. The Orioles bullpen is tragic. Oh, so God. I wouldn't go on an over under, but look, if you're going to get with Mike Leak, knowing there's no starter for the Mariners, I know overs have been, have been a play a lot this year, but if you pick the right matchup, you know, I've seen some decent value on the first five under. So. That might be a play tonight. Go first five under with Eek on the hill. And I do think it's so interesting that you point out all the overs that we're seeing right here in baseball. Over the weekend, I think that over 70% of games went over the total. And you got to feel like bookmakers are feeling it a little bit because we know that the public, they like to bet overs much more than unders. Do you feel like there's going to be a little bit of a shift in regards to the numbers that we see or anything like that? Because I'm just waiting for the moment in which these bookmakers just start hanging double digits on these games left and right, regardless of the situation, because I just have to think that the bookmakers are feeling it right now, and I think that they're going to be having to do something drastic. Think about what we saw in Colorado over the weekend. Padres, Rockies, 15, 28, 22, 27. Those were the run totals in those games. So if you sat back and said, Give me some over action. You've been buying drinks for everybody with the Padres and Rockies this weekend. You know, they've been doing this a long time, GP, and you're out in the desert. I'm here in D.C., but I mean, I know they had to, what, with all those overs switching sports, but with all the overs in the first period, they put heavy juice on them, and eventually they got to a point where they did have to to loft those odds of just a touch, but yeah, I mean, you're, I've seen a couple double-digit numbers on the board, but... I feel like they're just going to continue to roll with what they've always been doing and, and assuming that this thing's going to correct itself. And look, no one likes playing unders because they're not fun. But at some point, you might have to go that route because it's been so profitable. But I just don't you feel like, Greg, it's just it, the market always tends to correct itself more so than in baseball than anything else. Everything kind of comes back to the means. If a guy's hitting 220, he's a lifetime 270 hitter, he's probably going to get to. 250, 260 more than likely in the season. And if he's hitting 310, he's probably going to regress. I just have to feel like the market is eventually going to settle in and you'll hear, you'll hit, you'll hit a streak of some unders. I totally agree with you. And speaking of teams that you think might progress slash regress, 
who are a couple teams that you have your eye on. Right now, I'm taking a look at the Arizona Diamondbacks. I really like what I've seen on this team the past couple weeks. I do think that they might be buyers at the trade deadline. They enter into Wednesday night's action at 38 and 36. They obviously could use a couple different starters because they had to use Archie Bradley for a start against the Washington Nationals a few days ago. That went about as well as you'd think a Archie Bradley start would go against the Washington Nationals. I mean, obviously that was not good, but I do think that there's a little bit of value there. You take a look at the American League. The Texas Rangers, unbeknownst to me, have had a really good season. I'm not sure how. I'm not sure why. Even with Joey Gallo out of the lineup, they've been doing some great things. Or a couple teams that you have your eye on that you think might have some value down the line. Yeah, the Diamondbacks are fascinating because I'm a big proponent of plus minus and they're plus 51 and you look at the teams right now just in the wild card race they've got the diamondbacks have the best plus minus and conversely the padres are minus 32 so if you think about you know regressing to the means they've been hot lately they had a big you know sweep of the milwaukee brewers and that's impressive you know i feel like a lot of people were hot on the Padres when they made the move to go get, you know, Manny Machado. I'm just going to keep an eye on the Padres. I don't know if I'm a completely buy in on them. Maybe that stock has, has dropped just a little bit. They're only a handful of games out of a wild card. Look, they're not going to win the NOS. We know that that's pretty much locked in as the Dodgers. So I'm keeping an eye on the Padres. You know, the Cincinnati Reds plus minus, think about it, 41. And uh, how impressive did they look, GP? against the Astros, to go out there to sweep the Astros in the way that they did. I mean, that was that was really impressive to see the Reds. And, you know, in baseball, you never want to overreact to, you know, just one series. But bottom of the ninth, they scored two runs. The Cincinnati Reds, you know, this is a team that wanted to win. They made moves this offseason because they want to win. As crazy as it feels, are the Cincinnati Reds a team to keep an eye on I think they might be. So I would keep an eye on the Cincinnati Reds just because the NL Central is still up in the air, potential wild card. They're way out, but I I like the way the Reds are playing right now. So I'd keep an eye on a team like the Cincinnati Reds, as crazy as it may seem. I'm with you. The Cincinnati Reds, by the way, by far the best team to the under out there in the big leagues. Over two-thirds of their game have went under the total so far this year, and it's because they do have a lights-out bullpen with guys like Rossio Iglesias, Amir Garrett and company, they've been doing a great job late in games. And then when you've got guys like Luis Castillo in the starting rotation, it does make this team very dangerous. And something else that is very dangerous, just how terrific you are for NBC Sports Radio, Tim. I'd like to close it up with this. You're doing terrific work out there on the daily line. Every Monday through Friday, you can listen to it four hours a day, every day. I know you're out there on social media. I want Tim Murray. How can the good people at home just get a little bit more Tim in their lives? <laughs> I don't know if they need that, but if you want to do so, yeah, the Twitter feed at one Tim Murray. I'm always tweeting out videos of the show and subscribe to the podcast. Just go to wherever you get the podcast, look up the daily line, give us a little rate, a little review. I know you do that with GP's podcast, so do that for me as well. That'd be much appreciated. But GP, man, when are we going to get some college hoops back in our life? I'm missing it right now. Well, College Hoops Overtime Betting is right now doing all the conference previews right now. So I do have you covered until then. We're going to be coming out with like the big sky, the big south, everything like that. So for all Love the it. degenerates out there that want to hear some big south basketball previews, there's your spot for that. And your spot for great radio every single day is NBC Sports Radio. Tim does a great job on the daily line. So big thanks to him. 
for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And coming up next, I do give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board in a little something I like to call Touch Em All. Hey, I'm Steve Heitner, the guy who uttered the famous phrase, that's gold. And that's the inspiration of my new podcast, That's Gold with Steve Heitner. We talk sports, sports betting, movies, comedy, food, drink, Vegas, music, movies, and more. Five days a week. Did I say movies twice? Look, guys love it, whether they're hip or worried about breaking a hip. Find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify and Stitcher. That's Gold with me, Steve Heitner. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. And a big thanks to Tim Murray of NBC Sports Radio for joining me in the last segment. As we're back here in the Zuni Tequila Studios for MLB Overtime Betting, now it is that time that I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board, and we do so in a little something I like to call Touch Em All. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Any changes made to these plays are going to be noted up on my Twitter feed, at GNRScore81. With some of these plays, they're all locked in, good to go. Actually, I should retract that because right now we are in wait-and-see mode on all these. I'm waiting on lineup changes, line moves, everything like that. And I'll be keeping you guys abreast of that on my Twitter feed, at GNRScore81. We've got a lot of interesting situations out there in baseball today and as always we're going to be going in las vegas rotation order and it all starts with 951 952 on the bang rotation the new york mets are in chicago to face off against the cubbies you darvish goes for the cubs jason vargas goes for the mets the total on this game is off the board since this is a game that is going to be played out there at Wrigley Field. As per usual, total not posted overnight, but if you like the Cubs, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 150 and minus 152. Plus price here with the Mets is anywhere between plus 140 and plus 142. What I will say is that you Darvish, in his last start against the Dodgers, looks absolutely tremendous. Seven innings pitch, gave up one run, 10 strikeouts. He's been doing a better job recently. Ever since his first start in the month of May, he's given up four runs or more in just two of his starts. So he seems to be rounding into form. I just still have a very tough time trusting in him because he's got 45 walks in 79 and a half innings. That is right around five walks per nine innings. He's given up 14 home runs. Meanwhile, you look at Jason Vargas. He's actually been terrific ever since coming off the injury list. 375 ERA for the year, and let's take a look at what he's done in the month of June. It's actually been very, very good for this team. He's given the team three starts so far. He's given up a grand total of five runs in 20 innings, one of which was a complete game shutout against the San Francisco Giants, and he's really been rolling, and the New York Mets. They've been getting some good contributions with the bat recently, and it all starts with Pete Alonso. 271 average, 24 home runs. 54 RBI, and then you take a look at what Jeff McNeil is doing at the top of the lineup. He's doing a tremendous job of being able to get on base. 337 average. I like what I'm seeing there. Got a lot of guys that are hitting right in that 250 to 255-ish range. Amid Rosario is in that range. You've got Todd Frazier there as well. Wilson Ramos is back in the fold, which is huge because he's hitting a 275. You've got Michael Conforto and his 14 home runs. He's hitting a 262. Robinson Cano has been in the, out of the lineup, and in all honesty, it's not much of a factor for the team. 240 average. Then you got a couple fan bats as well. Carlos Gomez, 
Juan Lagares, both hitting below a 210. Tomas Nito right around a 220. But then you take a look at what you're getting on the Chicago Cubs. They've got a lot of mashers on this team. You've got six guys in the lineup for Thursday that have 10-plus home runs. And for that matter, five guys with 15-plus in Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, Wilson Contreras, and Kyle Schwarber. Of these guys, Kyle Schwarber is the only guy that's hitting below 275. You've got Chris Bryant hitting a 281, Anthony Rizzo 275, Javi Baez 283, Wilson Contreras 293. And even when Victor Carantini's behind the dish, he's hitting above a 300 as well. Jason Hayward, 253 average to go with his 10 home runs. Daniel Descalso and Carlos Gonzalez not delivering the team much, but David Bodie, whenever he's out there hitting right around at 275, he's done a good job of being able to drive in runs. But with the Chicago Cubs, bullpen's been a little bit of a question mark. They looked very good in their last series, but Kyle Ryan, Brad Brock and company, not necessarily guys you can trust in. And for the New York Mets, can you trust in this bullpen at all? Robbie Gazelman's been awful. Edwin Diaz is not what he was last year. Jurisdiction Familia is Spanish for blown safe. And then you've got the other guys like Trey Peterson, and it's just not good. Corey Oswald. This is a game in which I'm probably going to be taking a look at the over, but I do think that Jason Vargas and his recent form coming off the injured list is a side I could trust a little bit more. So looking at the Mets with the plus price, and probably an over, but that's certainly going to depend on the win. So check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRSquarity1 for a total play there. But looking at the Mets in this spot. We move on to 9.53, 9.54 on the banging rotation. You got the Philadelphia Phillies playing host the Miami Marlins. Sandy Alcantara goes for the Miami Marlins. Aaron Supernola for the Philadelphia Phillies. Your total on this game is 8.5 over as juice of minus 120. The under is even. If you're looking at the Philadelphia Phillies, you're laying minus 210 here. The plus price with the fish is anywhere between plus 185 and plus 190. The over in Aaron Nola's starts are right now super hot. But with that said, Sandy Alcantara in five of his last seven starts, the under is hit. So something's got to give. As a matter of fact, the over in Aaron Nola's 15 starts so far this year, 11 and 4. You also have to throw this in. The Phillies are averaging four runs per game in the month of June, and Sandy Alcantara has been in very good form. Three and six so far this year, but he's pitched much better than that. 3.73 ERA. He certainly has had a walks issue. He has, in 82 innings, given out 38 walks, but just six home runs. Meanwhile, Aaron Nola, he's been touched up a bit. He's given up right around 1.5 home runs per nine innings. The 6-1 record is not indicative of how he's pitched. 489 ERA, 151 whip. He's got 90 strikeouts, which is nice. And with the Miami Marlins, well, let's face it, this is a team that is putting up the fewest runs per game out there in the big leagues and has the fewest home runs. But you are noticing a couple guys doing a decent job with the bat. Brett Anderson, 30 RBI, 243 average. Miguel Rojas going into Thursday, 272 average. And then you got Jorge Alfaro, 261 average to go with his nine home runs. You even got Brian Holiday whenever he's out there in the fold. He's hitting right around 280 for this team. They recently acquired Cesar Buelo from the LA Angels. And in a very small sample size, he's hitting above 300. You've also got Harold Ramirez and Garrett Cooper that are hitting above 300. So there's some good signs there. Sterling Castro has not gotten it going. He's got a 232 average. And then you've got JT Riddle, Curtis Granderson, Austin Dean all up there at the outfield hitting below a 220. And I believe you could throw Russell Herrera in there as well. But then you take a look at the flip side for the Philadelphia Phillies. JT Muto, the former Marlin, has been doing a good job for this team, hitting right around at 270. Reese Hoskins, 268 average with 15 home runs, but he's been in a little bit of a power outage. We noticed that the Phillies yesterday were wanting to experiment with Bryce Harper at the leadoff spot. I think that's interesting considering 
He has the most strikeouts out there in the big leagues. Jay Bruce, ever since coming over to the Philadelphia Phillies, has been pretty terrific. He's got five home runs with the team. He's got 19 overall on the season. Gene Segura sending it 270. Scott Kingery has been terrific in limited at bats, 338 average. And then you got Cesar Hernandez is hitting at 265. But all in all, you do take a look at this game. You've got two of the bottom 10 bullpens out there in the big leagues, but I do like what I'm seeing out of Sandy Alcantara. I think he's going to be able to hold down the fort. And with the Marlins, even though their bullpen has been bad throughout the year, guys like Teon Guerrero, Bryce and company have been doing a little bit of a better job. And I think that Aaron Nola is going to have a little bit of a better start here. I know that he's been giving up right around three plus runs in nearly every start recently, but I do think that this is going to be a lower scoring game. And I think that Sandy Alcantara delivers a better start. So for that reason, we are going to be riding with the under and we're going to be taking the big plus price here with the Miami Marlins. I'm a Wayne Seymour on both of these, but we're going to be going for both of them as we move on to 905-906 on the bang rotation. We've got the return of Dallas Keuchel to the MLB as he goes for the Atlanta Braves who are on the road taking on the Washington Nationals. Steven Strasburg goes for the Nats and the Nationals are the favorite in this one. They are minus 135. Meanwhile, if you want the plus price here with the Bravos, plus 125. The total on this game is 9. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Juicy over is anywhere between even and minus 105. I always say it. Guys coming off the injured list typically are a little bit rusty. We heard it in the last segment from Tim Murray. Dallas Keuchel was not necessarily lights out in his minor league appearances. But you know who else has not necessarily been lights out recently? That would be one Steven Strasburg. In his last start against the Arizona Diamondbacks, it did not necessarily go as planned as he was giving up home runs like they were candy, giving up six runs in five innings. Start before that against the Padres was good, but then on June 4th, he gives up five runs in five innings against the Chicago White Sox. Very lucky to get the win there. Dallas Keuchel, jury is out as to how he's going to pitch for the Atlanta Braves, but the Atlanta Braves this month are averaging right around seven runs per game in the month of June, a full run more than any other team out there in the big league. So you got to think that he's going to get some run support. He wasn't his same self last year. He had a 374 ERA, 12 and 11 record, but the year before that for the Houston Astros was absolutely terrific. Take a look at 2015. Obviously, he had that 21 season, but all in all, I do have some faith in Dallas Keuchel in this spot, and I do think we're going to see a lot of runs. The Washington Nationals have been putting up runs like crazy recently, and Anthony Rendon has been the reason why. 309 average, 16 home runs, 50 RBI. This guy has been terrific. Juan Soto has 11 home runs for this team. He's hitting right around a 290 for this bunch. At the top lineup, you've got Trey Turner and Adam Eaton. Both these guys hitting between a 275 and a 280. Kurt Suzuki's hitting a 273. Got a couple guys that are struggling out there with the bat. Michael A. Taylor, Victor Robles. Both these guys are hitting right around a 230 to a 236. You do have also Jan Gomes, who's been struggling with the bat, but Matt Adams has been hitting some home runs recently, and Howie Kendrick, a very under-the-radar bat. He's hitting right around a 333, 12 home runs, 43 RBI. Then you take a look at the flip side for the Atlanta Braves. Everyone's hitting for this team. Freddie Freeman, 315 average, 21 home runs, 55 RBI. You take a look at what Ronald Acuna Jr. is doing. He's got 17 home runs. He's hitting right around a 300. Ozzie Albies has been picking it up as well. This is a gentleman that is hitting a 283. Tyler Flowers and Brian McCann at the catcher spot. Both have been terrific whenever they need Charlie Culberson and Matt Joyce to be able to provide some innings out there in the outfield. Both these guys hitting above a 290. Nick Marcakis is hitting a 275. Austin Riley has provided a lot since coming up to the big leagues over a 290 average to go with 11 home runs for him. Josh Donaldson seems to be picking it up as well. He now has 14 home runs, 260 average. Dansby Swanson's hitting right in that neighborhood as well. And you just take a look at the 
Atlanta Braves. I have a lot more faith in their bullpen than the Washington Nationals. Nationals still have the worst bullpen ERA in the, in the big leagues. And with the Atlanta Braves, it's not necessarily great, but guys like Josh Shomlin, Luke Jackson, and company certainly have been doing their job. So we're going to be taking the plus price here with the Atlanta Braves and the over. With the over, I'm noticing that steam is coming in on the under, so I'm in wait see mode there. And with the Braves, it's just going to be interesting to see where this line moves. It seems like there's a lot of respect for Steven Strasburg, so going to be waiting on both of those, but we're going to ride them. 957-958 on the bank rotation. The Pittsburgh Pirates play OC Sunday. I'll go Padres. Eric Lauer goes for the pods. Meanwhile, for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Joe Musgrove. The total on this game is 8.5. The over has juiced between minus 115 and minus 110. Meanwhile, the under has juiced between minus 110 and minus 105. If you're looking at the Pittsburgh Pirates, you are going to be laying anywhere between minus 110 and minus 112. With the Padres, this is anywhere between even and plus 102. You take a look at what Eric Lauer was doing in the month of May. It was absolutely terrific. I believe he had a stretch of four straight starts in which he gave up just one earned run. Meanwhile, Joe Musgrove, he got off to a terrific start to the year. He has plummeted ever since then. And he is backed up by a bullpen that has been absolutely awful. You've got a couple decent arms. You've got guys like Felipe Vasquez. Kyle Crick has done a good job, and then you obviously have Francisco Lariano. But let's take a look at Joe Musgrove in his last start against the Atlanta Braves. Six runs given up in four innings. He did give up three runs in eight innings against the Braves before them, but then you also had the month of May. He gave up three runs or more in all but one start, and he gave up five runs or more in all but two starts. This is a man that has been a flaming dumpster fire recently. And with Eric Lauer, not necessarily the greatest guy ever. 460 ERA, 74 and a third innings. He's given up nine home runs and 22 walks. But with that said, he's at the very least doing a decent job. And I will say this for Musgrove, giving up just seven home runs and 77 and two-thirds innings. But with the San Diego Padres, this is a spot where I think that they're certainly going to get to him. And it's all led by Hunter Renfro and Fenmiel Reyes. These guys enter into Thursday action with... 43 total home runs. Eric Hosmer is doing a great job of setting the table. 288 average, 50 RBI, 11 home runs. Manny Machado has been a little bit up and down with this team, but he seems to be finding it. He now has 13 home runs. He's lifted his batting average to a 270. Fernando Tatis Jr. at the top of the lineup is terrific. 333 average. He's registering a home run in less than 15 at bats. You've got a couple guys that need to pick it up with the bat. Will Myers is hitting at 225. The catcher spot in general for this team has been bad. Greg Garcia doing a decent job of getting on base. 255 average. And then you've got... Also, just a little bit of everything with Josh Naylor and Manuel Margot out there in the outfield. Both these guys hitting between a 225 and a 240, so they're not necessarily providing a line. With the San Diego Padres, they had to tax their bullpen a lot on Wednesday against the Milwaukee Brewers, and they showed their less than trustworthy arms with guys like Matt Whistler, Brad Wiak, and company, but I do think that Eric Lauer is going to be able to deliver a better start here. The Pittsburgh Pirates have been playing over 60% of their games the over so far this year, and I think that trend continues, and I think the Padres are going to be able to get to Musgrove. I think that they're going to be able to get into that bullpen as well, and I think they pull out the win. So we're going to be riding with the Padres and the over. Just some Wayne C mode on both these numbers because I'm noticing some steam on the Pirates and the under, but we're going to be taking both of those. 959-960 on the bank rotation. The Milwaukee Brewers play host to the Cincinnati Reds. Sonny Gray goes for the Reds. 
Chase Anderson for the Milwaukee Brewers. Your total on this game is 9. The over is juice between minus 110 and minus 115. The under is between minus 110 and minus 105. If you're looking at the Cincinnati Reds, that's anywhere between plus 111 and plus 112. Meanwhile, with the Milwaukee Brewers laying anywhere between minus 121 and minus 122. And this is a spot where I do look at the Cincinnati Reds once again. I remember talking to Eli Hershkovich on the podcast yesterday. You take a look at the Reds. Right around two-thirds of their games are going under so far this year. It is because their offense has been quite anemic so far this year. They are a home run or bust team, but they've got tremendous pitching. Sonny Gray has been essentially good for six innings and giving up three runs recently. You take a look at his game logs. It's like every one of his starts, let's be honest here. And then you take a look at Chase Anderson. This is a guy that's neither great nor awful. 3-1 record, 405 ERA. He's given up some hard contact, 46 and two-thirds innings. He's given up eight home runs. And that should lend itself well to the Cincinnati Reds. Even though Derek Diedrich has just one home run so far this month, he only is hitting 230. He's got 18 dingers on the year. Jose Iglesias, 288 average. Eugenio Suarez, 15 home runs, 250 average. You notice that Joey Votto has been hiking up his average as well. He got off to a really rough start to the year. Now he's hitting more in the realm of a 255 to a 260. Jesse Winker has been tremendous the past couple days. He has been hitting right around a 400 over his last like five or six games. He's hitting a 251 for the year. Nick Senzel's hitting a 260. Yasiel Puig 230 average with the 14 home runs. He's picking it up. Tucker Barnard, Jose Peraza leaving a little bit of something to be desired. And then you take a look at the Milwaukee Brewers. Travis Shaw and Manny Pena both hitting below the Mendoza line. Jesus Aguiar has been out of the lineup because he's just been awful. But then you've got Mike Moustakas, who gets overlooked by Christian Yelich. Mike Moustakas, 279 average, 21 home runs. Yasmany Grandel, 273 average, 16 home runs. Eric Thames has a 250 average, 10 home runs with limited at-bats. Ryan Braun is hitting a 265. And then that man, Christian Yelich, is just amazing. 345 average, 27 home runs, 58 RBI, 16 steals. This guy is incredible. Orlando Arcia is seeing his, dip, his average dip, though, 235 average. Lorenzo Cain's hitting right around at 250. And we know this with the Milwaukee Brewers. They've got Josh Hader, who does a terrific job of being able to close out games. But then you take a look at the other relievers. Jeremy Jeffries certainly had his struggles a couple days ago against the San Diego Padres. You really can't trust in... Some of these other guys like Alex Claudio and company and with the Cincinnati Reds, one of the best bullpens out there in the big leagues. I think that Sonny Gray is going to give up his three runs once again, but I think the Reds are going to be able to hit Chase Anderson for a couple runs, and I think they get into the bullpen and they get this win. I am on the Cincinnati Reds and the under. Currently in Wayne C-Mode on both these numbers, but we're going to be riding out both of those. As we move on to 961-962 on the bang rotation, the Arizona Diamondbacks play OC San Francisco Giants. Jeff Samardra goes for the Giants. Taylor Clark goes for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Your total on this game is ranging between 9.5 and and 10. We'll give you the 10s first. The 10 has under juice of minus 115. The over is minus 105 on the 9.5. Over is minus 120. Under is even. If you're looking at the Arizona Diamondbacks, laying anywhere between minus 130 and minus 132. Plus price with the Giants is anywhere between plus 120 and plus 122. With Jeff Samarja, he's certainly been doing better this year than last year. Last year, he was just a complete dumpster fire of a pitcher. I will say he's still lending himself to a little bit too much hard contact. But we saw Taylor Clark in his last start against Washington Nationals give up three solo home runs in the first inning as well. That's not necessarily redeeming quality. For Mr. Clark, 1-2 record, 534 ERA. He's given up six home runs in 30 and a third innings. Jeff Samarja, meanwhile, 12 home runs given up in 72 and two-thirds innings. 396 ERA, 128 whip. Certainly deserves a little bit better than a 3-6 and six record. He's just backed up by a team that is not hitting very well. The San Francisco Giants hitting 223 as a collective, 65 home runs in their first 72 games of the year, and you take a look at it, 
Pablo Sandoval is probably the team's best hitter so far this year. Pablo Sandoval, the Kung Fu Panda, hitting right around a 285 to go with nine home runs. Brandon Belt also has nine home runs, but he's hitting a 237, which it seems like there's just so many guys hitting between a 230 and a 240 on this team. Even though he's currently on the injured list, Steven Duggar's there, Kevin Pillar, Evan Longoria, Joe Panic, the list goes on and on. Tyler Austin sitting a 211. Brandon Crawford, 206. Mikey Strzepski in limited bets is hitting a 250, and then you got Buster Posey hitting a 247 himself, but you just don't have a lot of guys that are doing a good job of getting on base for this team. But what you do also have with the San Francisco Giants, one of the best bullpens out there in the big leagues. Whenever you can get a quality start, guys like Sam Dyson, Will Smith and company do a very good job of being able to close things out. Meanwhile, with the Arrows and the Diamondbacks, Lopez has been doing a good job out there in the bullpen, but we certainly saw Greg Holland have his issues yesterday against the Colorado Rockies, not being able to close out that game. But with the Arrows and the Diamondbacks, you certainly do have some tremendous bats with this team, and it all is led by Eduardo Escobar. He is doing a little bit of everything. He's hitting just below a 285 for this team. He has went deep 17 times, 58 RBI. Cattell Marte now hitting above 300. He's got 20 home runs. David Peralta sitting at 292. You're noticing that Kevin Crone is picking it up with the bat. He's only in 217, but over the past two weeks, he's got five or six home runs of his own. Nick Ahmad is hitting a 270 for this team. Tim LeCastro is only hitting a 230, but he's been very valuable with his bat. And you got to think that Carson Kelly is going to be in the fold in this one. He's hitting right around a 265. So I do think that this is a game that is going to go under. And with the Arizona Diamondbacks, they've been a little bit shaky recently. And I do think that this is going to be a good spot for the Giants because I think that Jeff Samarja gives a better start than Clark. I think he's able to turn it over to the bullpen. That'll allow them to be able to win a little bit of a lower scoring game. So going to be riding out with the Giants and the under. I'm seeing this number taking up from 9.5 to 10 on the total. So Wayne Simo there and certainly not too much money coming in on the Giants here. So we move on to 963-964 on the bank rotation. The Colorado Rockies head to LA to face off against the Dodgers. Walker Buehler goes for the Dodgers. Herman Marquez goes for the Colorado Rockies. Your total on this game is 7.5. The under is minus 120. The over is even. If you're looking at the Rockies, plus price here is plus 160. Want to lay it here with the LA Dodgers. That's anywhere between minus 170 and minus 175. Walker Beeler was supposed to start yesterday, but it was a little bit of a day off that was planned by this team. And I do think that it's going to do this team a little bit of good. And you take a look at Walker Beeler recently. He has been doing a terrific job with this team. 7-1 record. 306 ERA. He's allowing right around a home run per nine innings, 82 and a third innings. He's given up eight home runs. He's got 84 punch outs. He has been absolutely terrific. And in the month of June, he's made three starts. He's won seven plus innings in all of them. He's given up one run in a grand total of 22 innings so far this month. That's pretty darn good. And then you take a look at Herman Marquez. He has certainly had his warts. Even though he's got a 73 record, he certainly doesn't deserve it as he's got a 457 ERA. And you take a look at the month of June, in all three of his starts, he's won at least five innings, but he's given up four plus runs in every one of them. We even look back to the month of May. In his second to last start in the month of May, he wound up giving up four runs to the helpless Baltimore Orioles. He gave up five runs to the Boston Red Sox that month. He gave up five runs to the Arizona Diamondbacks. I mean, this is a guy that's getting touched up quite a bit. 13 home runs given up in 102 and two-thirds innings. He's getting a strikeout nearly every inning, but this is an L.A. Dodgers team that I think is going to be able to rip them apart. It all starts with Cody Bellinger. 60 RBI, 
24 home runs, 359 average going into the team's game on Thursday against the San Francisco Giants. You've also got a bunch of other guys that are really being able to support him, even though he has an average right around at 230. Jock Peterson, 18 home runs so far this year. Max Muncy, 285 average, 17 dingers. You do have a couple guys that are really struggling out there with the bat. Austin Barnes, Kike Hernandez are both hitting below a 210, but we noticed that Chris Taylor had a very good day a couple days ago against the San Francisco Giants. He psyched his average up to a 235. Alex Verdugo is hitting just below 300 for this team in a limited amount of at-bats. I like what I'm seeing out of Kyle Garlick as well. He had a nice home run against the San Francisco Giants on Wednesday. And then you've also got David Fries, who's also able to hit above 300. And for the Colorado Rockies, we all know that they've got quite a few matchers on this team. Nolan Arenado hitting right around a 330, 18 home runs, so being able to set the table, 60 RBI. With the Rockies, you've also got David Dahl, who's been white hot with his average. He is hitting right now at a clip of a 332. Charlie Blackman, a 336. Ian Desmond has really gotten hot with the bat. He had a home run yesterday. His average is up to a 271. You are noticing that Daniel Murphy has also done a very good job of being able to pick up his average. He was a gentleman that was really struggling to begin the year. He's now hitting a 275. Remy seen his average up to a 262, but you've got Ryan McMahon hitting right around a 275. Tony Walters is hitting above a 300 as well. The list goes on and on. The Colorado Rockies have done a great job of hitting, but I do think that Walker Beeler is going to be able to tame him in this spot, but then you do have to worry about the bullpen, obviously, as well. Guys like Emi Garcia and company have not been good, and they had to use a lot of bullpen arms yesterday since they were giving the rotation a day off, and they gave Julio Arias the start. So, this is a game in which I do think that both these teams are going to score quite a few runs. So, all aboard the over in this spot, but I'm looking at the LA Dodgers on the run line. Currently seeing a run line price of a plus 120. I'd like to see if I'm able to get a little bit more. That's just a very, very early number. So if I can maybe get a 125 or a 130, I'll be very happy. But we're going to be on the over and the Dodgers run line here. As we move on to 965-966 on the bang rotation, the New York Yankees play host to the Houston Astros. Brad Peacock goes for the Strohs. Meanwhile, for the Yankees, James Paxson. Total on this game is 9.5. The under is just anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is between even and minus 110. If you're looking at the Yankees, laying anywhere between minus 142 and minus 143. The plus price here with the Astros is anywhere between plus 132 and plus 133. Brad Peacock has been a little bit all over the place recently, and you can say the same for James Paxson. James Paxson certainly had a much better start in his most recent outing against the Chicago White Sox, but before then, he had looked very shaky against the Toronto Blue Jays. He got destroyed in that start. All in all for the year, 4-3 and three record, 393 ERA. You got to feel like he's starting to find himself after coming off the injured list, though. I think that White Sox start was a little bit more indicative of what we could expect from him. Meanwhile, Brad Peacock, in each of his last two starts, has given up four runs. You take a look in the month of May, he ended it very tremendously. In his final five starts, he allowed a grand total of three runs across them, so... He obviously has shown that he's able to do a very good job there. But with the New York Yankees, this is a team that is just on a binge of overs right now. That all starts with Gary Sanchez. 265 average, 21 home runs, 49 RBI going into the team's game yesterday against the Astros. You've got Luke Voigt. He's went deep 17 times. He's hitting right around a 260 for this team. These two guys have been just absolute matchers for the team. DJ LeMayu doing a great job of getting on. He's hitting right around a 315. Whenever you have Gio Urshela out there, he's hitting a 300. Cameron Maben has his average above a 300. DD Gregorius, since coming off the injured list, been hitting right around a 290. Glaber Torres is hitting just below a 285 for this team, and he's been able to supply the pop with 16 home runs. 
Edwin Encarnacion has 22 home runs across his time with the Yankees and the Seattle Mariners. Giancarlo Stanton is now back in the lineup as well. You got to figure that he's going to need a couple days to reacclimate himself. But all in all, that is obviously a very good sign for the team. Brett Gardner struggling with a 235, but with the Yankees, you also know that you've got that great bullpen. Guys like Tommy Canely, Adam Adovino, Zach Britton, Aroldis Chapman, they're all able to do a good job. And with the Houston Astros, they rank in the top six with regards to bullpen ERA as well, but they are certainly down a couple guys. They get Jose Altuve back in the fold. Gotta think that much like John Carlos Santin, he needs a couple days to reacclimate himself, but that's very good. But you have a whole bunch of guys that are hitting right around a 235 to a 240 for this team. Jose Altuve falls into that neighborhood. Jake Marisnik, Tyler White, Robinson Torinos, Tony Kemp. The list goes on and on. You do have Josh Reddick getting right around a 295 for this team. Yuri Gurriel, a 262. And I will say Jordan Alvarez in about a week and a half up at the show. He's got four home runs. 333 average. He's been terrific. And Alex Bregman has one deep 20 times to go with his 265 average. And Michael Brantley hitting 320 to go with his 11 home runs. But all in all, I do think that both these pitchers are going to be able to have a little bit of success. But I think that the Yankees are going to wind up getting to Brad Peacock in this spot. So for that reason, going to be riding with the Yankees and the under. Currently in Wayne Seymour on both of these because I am noticing that things are trending towards the over. I'm still noticing a little bit of money on the Astros. So we're going to be holding off on both those for the time being. We move on to a game with a very, very big spread here. 967-968 on the bank rotation. The Boston Red Sox playoffs to the Toronto Blue Jays. Trent Thornton goes for the Jays. Meanwhile, Chris Sale goes for the Boston Red Sox. Your total on this game is 8.5. Under is just a minus 115. The over is minus 105. If you're looking at the Toronto Blue Jays, you can find as much as $3 offshore across Vegas. I'm seeing between plus 280 and plus 290. And if you want the Red Sox in the spot, anywhere between minus 340 and minus 350. According to Odd Shark, this is where if you put $100 on every single pitcher, Chris Sale would be one of the least profitable pitchers out there in the big leagues. If you put down the amount of money it would take to win one unit on Chris Sale in every one of his starts, I do believe that he would be the least profitable pitcher out there in the big leagues because you take a look at Chris Sale, the team is 5-10 and ten in his start so far this year, and the last time he went up against the Toronto Blue Jays, they wound up losing. This is not a very redeeming quality with Chris Sale. Now, I will say that in the month of June, he has been absolutely spectacular. He had that complete game against the Kansas City Royals. He wound up going 7th strong, not giving up a single earned run, giving up one earned, unearned run against the Texas Rangers. Then as his last start against the Baltimore Orioles team was able to get the win there, he gave up two runs in that start. But this is just a price that is very unpalatable for me. We saw Trent Thornton in his last start go up against the Houston Astros, and the team was actually able to get a win. He was able to get the outright win in that one. There was a stretch out there in, I would say, late April, early May, in which the team was 4-1 and one in his last five starts. Now, I'm not going to try to sell you that he is the Mona Lisa Vito of pitching or anything like that, but he does have a 4.36 ERA. He should probably be a little bit better than the 2-5 record would indicate. 80 strikeouts, 76 and a third innings. He's given up 11 home runs. That's not necessarily great, but in 90 and a third innings, Chris Sale, he's given up 11 home runs himself. Now, Trent Thornton, walks issue. 37 walks in 76 and a third innings, and we know this. The Toronto Blue Jays bullpen, not necessarily great, but it just feels like whenever Chris Sale's out there on the mound, 
bad things happen, whether it's airs, whether it's a Boston Red Sox bullpen that has actually been pretty decent. I feel like they get a little bit of a bad rap. But then, whenever Chris Hale's out there on the mound, Matt Barnes is going to give up three runs. I don't know what it is, but it's just been happening to the Boston Red Sox so far this year. And with the Boston Red Sox, you do have a very good lineup, and it's led by J.D. Martinez. 291 average, 16 home runs, 41 RBI. You've got Xander Bogarts, who's went deep 14 times so far this year. He's got a 300 average himself. I like what I'm seeing there. You also have Rafael Devers. He's hitting above 300. His home run account is in double digits as well. We are noticing that Mookie Betts is struggling a little bit. This is just not the same guy we saw last year. 266 average there. You've got Andrew Benatendi hitting at 269. Michael Chavis is hitting 261. Double digit amount of home runs. But then you've got Jackie Bradley Jr., Sandy Leon, and Eduardo Nunez who are all hitting below a 227 for this team. You are seeing Brock Colt being able to get on base though. He's hitting above a 300. And then Christian Vasquez is hitting right around a 285 to a 290 as well. For the Toronto Blue Jays, Things have not necessarily been going as planned for the offense. You have seen Justin Smoke be out of the lineup. He was hitting right around at 225 with 12 home runs, but he's been missing in action recently. You are seeing Eric Sogar doing a great job at the top lineup. He's hitting right around at 300. Vlad Guerrero Jr. doing a better job for this team as well. His batting average is hovering right around at 255. Hasn't been providing a lot of power recently, but Lords Goriel hitting right around at 275. But then just take a listen to all these averages. Kevin Biggio, Teoscar Hernandez, Randall Gritchick, Rowdy Telez, and the catchers in general for this team, all hitting a 220 or lower. Freddie Galvis is hitting a 255, and I will say this for Mr. Gritchick, he's doing a decent job of being able to pump out some home runs. So far this year, he's got 13 of them. But then you do take a look at the Boston Red Sox in general when you've got Chris Sale on the mound. This is just an unpalatable price right here. I know that the Toronto Blue Jays do not necessarily have the best team batting average, but they have been coming around with the bats. They were able to get to the LA Angels very quickly yesterday. They had six runs a day before that. They were able to hang five in the se- in the series opener against the Angels there. And in the game before that against the Houston Astros, they were able to get 12 runs. So this is a offense that seems to be heating up, and I do think that they get to Chris Sale in this spot. So for that reason, we're going to be playing this total over, and we're going to take the massive plus price here with the Toronto Blue Jays. This is one of these spots where you just got to continue to ride what's been cashing for you, and what's been cashing big for you is fading Chris Sale. As we move on to 969-970 on the bang rotation, the Detroit Tigers are in town, and they're going to be facing off against the Cleveland Indians. Trevor Bauer goes for the Indians. Matthew Boyd for the Detroit Tigers. Your total on this game is 8. The under is just between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is between even and minus 105. If you're looking at the Indians... That is going to be anywhere between minus 190 and minus $2. Plus price here with the Detroit Tigers is anywhere between plus 170 and plus 180. This is a spot where I do actually take a look at the Cleveland Indians once again. I know that Trevor Bauer had a very bad start earlier this year against the Detroit Tigers. He wound up giving up four runs. He took the outright loss, but it seems like Trevor Bauer has his mojo back. For the year, he's got a 341 ERA, 117 punchouts in 108 and a third innings. And this is a man that has done an absolutely terrific job out there in the month of June. You take a look at his first start in the month of June. Horrible against the Minnesota Twins. Gave up five runs at eight innings, but then you take a look at his start against the Cincinnati Reds. Gives up one run, seven and two-thirds innings, and most recently, on the road against the Tigers, complete game, shutout against them, so he seems to be routing into form. Matthew Boyd, meanwhile, he seems to be regressing a little bit. He's done a great job of getting strikeouts, 88 and two-thirds innings, 112 punchouts, but he's now 5-5 five and five with a 
335 ERA. You take a look at what he's done in the month of June. He's given up three or more runs in each of his three starts. You can take a look back to the end of the month of May. In his last two starts in May, he wound up giving up zero runs in both of those, but in the two starts before then, he went a combined 10 and a third innings, giving up seven runs there. So I do think that the regression is real here. With the Cleveland Indians, even though they didn't have a great outing against the Texas Rangers yesterday, they seem to be fighting it with the bat. And Carlos Santana... Seems to be the guy that is leading the charge for the team. He's hitting a little bit above a 290. 15 home runs so far this year. Francisco Lindor doing a great job at the leadoff spot. 12 home runs. He's hitting right around a 290. Orlando Mercado now hitting 316 for this team. Jordan Luplo, a 260. Taylor Naquin, a 275. But then you do have the gentlemen that are struggling as well. Leonis Martin, Kevin Ploiecki, Jason Kipnis, Jose Ramirez. All these guys hitting a 227 or lower. Though I will say that Jason Kipnis seems to be Getting online a little bit more. Mike Freeman is hitting right around a 245 as well. So that's been a little bit of an encouraging sign. And with the Cleveland Indians, we do know that they've got one of the best bullpens out there in the big leagues. And with the Detroit Tigers, well, their bullpen, it leaves a little bit of something to be desired. And by saying that it leaves a little bit of something to be desired, I am trying to be as generous as possible. And for the bats of the Detroit Tigers... This has just not been going well for them recently. They do have Jacoby Jones, who's been able to give this team eight home runs, and he's been hitting right around at 250. And Brandon Dixon, I will say, he's been a good find for this team. 277 average. He's got eight home runs to go, 29 RBI. Miguel Cabrera is hitting nearly at 300 as well, but his problem is he's only hitting four home runs so far this year. I don't, I didn't think we would say that about Miguel Cabrera ever, but here we are saying it. Nico Goodrum and Christian Stewart both hitting between a 230 and a 235. Ronnie Rodriguez is hitting a 220. Jordan Nix just above the Mendoza line to well Lugo, 215. You have been noticing that in and out of the lineup has been Gordon Beckham. He's hitting right around a 230, 235-ish as well, so things not going well there. And with the Detroit Tigers, you just can't trust in guys like Nick Ramirez, Victor Alcantara and company out there in the bullpen. Buck Farmer has been okay, but other than Shane Green, you don't really have reliable arms, and I do think that the Cleveland Indians are going to be able to get a very convincing win in this one. Currently seeing a run line price of minus 115. would like to be able to lay a little bit less juice, but I'm certainly going to be looking at that. And with the regression of Matthew Boyd and the way that the Indians are pitching, I'm going to be looking at the total over as well. I'm currently noticing that the juice is going lower and lower. Perhaps I could get a 7.5 on this one, but we're going to be playing both of those. 971-972 on the bank rotation. You've got the Texas Rangers and they are playing host to the Chicago White Sox. Ronaldo Lopez goes for the White Sox. Meanwhile, for the Texas Rangers, Ariel Gerardo. I always love saying those names. As we've got a total of 11.5 as well. The under is just between minus 110 and minus 115. The over is between minus 110 and minus 105. If you're looking at the Texas Rangers, laying anywhere between minus 140 and minus 145. Plus price here with the Chicago White Sox is between plus 130 and plus 135. And... Mr. Lopez is not a guy that I'm going to be betting on this spot. I do recognize that Ariel Gerardo has had a couple rough starts, but all in all for the year, he's not been bad. 4-3 record, 423 ERA. He's given up six home runs in 44 and two-thirds innings. Now you take a look at what he's done in the month of June. It's not been good. Gave up three runs in six innings against the Orioles, three runs in six innings against the Boston Red Sox, both decent, but then in the start that he had against the Cincinnati Reds, seven runs in three innings, but all in all, have a little bit more faith in him than Mr. Lopez, who you take a look at him for the year. 631 ERA. He's given up five runs or more in two out of his three starts so far this month. It's not going well for him with the long ball either. 81 and two-thirds innings. He's given up 19 home runs and 36 walks. That's a whip of a 159. 
Not necessarily a beastly bench press for a set of 10, but believe me, if you're doing a buck 59 for a set of 10, you're certainly in shape. Meanwhile, Jose Abreu for the lineup of the Chicago White Sox doing tremendous things. 263 average, 17 home runs, 54 RBI. Tim Anderson has been doing a nice job of getting on base. He's hitting right around a 312 for this team. You're noticing that Yoan Mankata has been in and out of the lineup. Getting him back is big, though. 296 average. He is hitting 12 home runs so far this year. James McCann, 330 average. Charlie Tilson has seen his average come back to earth a little bit now at a 266. But Yomer Sanchez is doing a nice job of hitting as well. 255 average for him. Lourdes Garcia is hitting a 280. Do have a couple guys that are leaving a little bit of something to be desired. Ryan Cordell, Yonder Alonso, and Wellington Castillo all hitting a 205 or lower. But then Eloy Jimenez, his batting average is now at a 250, and he's got 12 home runs. He's been doing really well recently. And with the Texas Rangers, you can tell that they're missing Joey Gallo, but they've actually been doing a great job with the unders without him. Hunter Pence has been out of the fold as well. Hunter Pence hitting nearly 295 with 15 home runs. But with the Texas Rangers, you still do have a little bit of a pop in the lineup, and it all starts with Sin Chu Chu. Sin Chu Chu is doing a good job of being able to set the table for this team. He's got a 280 average. He's pounded out 12 home runs so far this year. Danny Santana, 312 batting average. Elvis Andrews, 303. As Rubel Cabrera has only went deep right around 10 times so far this year, but he's now hitting a 242. Logan Forsyth, a 270 average. Willie Calhoun is hitting above a 300. You do have a couple famine bats as well. Ronald Guzman, Jeff Mathis, and Rudan Odor, all hitting below a 215. But Delano DeShields Jr. doing a better job of getting on base with right around a 240 average. This is a spot where I do look at the improved pitching of the Texas Rangers and their bullpen. I think that they hold down the fort. I do think they get to Mr. Lopez, but I have pointed this out on the podcast as well. Guys like Aaron Bummer, Alex Colome, and company have been doing a tremendous job out there in the bullpen for the Chicago White Sox as well. So we're going to be riding with the under, and we're going to be taking the Texas Rangers in some form of capacity. Right now, trying to determine whether it's best to go money line or run line, just because when you do have these sky high totals, you don't get too much value as compared to money line and run line, so in wait and see mode there, but we're certainly going to be on the under as well. We move on to 973 and 974 on the betting rotation. You got the Kansas City Royals, and they are playing host to the Minnesota Twins. Martin Perez goes for the Minnesota Twins. The over and under both at minus 110 on this game with the total at 10. If you're looking at the Minnesota Twins, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 143 and minus 145 plus price with the Kansas City Royals between plus 130 and plus 135. Last time out, we saw Jacob Junis be able to pull off an impressive win against the Minnesota Twins. And I do believe it was Martin Perez going against him in that start. And for Martin Perez, the... Air is just going out of the balloon for him. 7-3 record, but he now has a 409 ERA. Take a look at his last two starts. He's given up four runs in each of them with a combined 10 and two-thirds innings in both of them. Meanwhile, with Jacob Junis, it's just hard to be able to trust him because sometimes he's got great starts. Sometimes he's just been awful. He's given up 15 home runs in 82 and two-thirds innings. You take a look at what he did against the Twins in his last start. He was able to get the team to victory, but he only won three and two-thirds innings, giving up two runs. His last start against the Detroit Tigers was also good seven innings. He gave up two runs, but the start before that, he gave up five runs. And you just take a look in the month of May, three starts in which he gave up four-plus runs. He's just not necessarily a guy that you can hit your wagon to. And with the Minnesota Twins, they've got a better bullpen than the Kansas City Royals. Well, I will say, the bullpen of the Kansas City Royals with guys like Ian Kennedy, Jake Diekman and company, they are doing a little bit better. But with the Minnesota Twins, you've got a team 
that's absolutely mashing on the year. They've got a combined 140 home runs and they're hitting 272 as a collective. And Max Kepler has been really a ringleader for this team. 277 average, 19 home runs, 50 RBI. Jorge Polanco, 326 average. Eddie Rosario, also 19 home runs, 53 RBI. He's hitting right around a 260 to a 265 for this bunch. He has been absolutely amazing. And then you take a look at some of the other bats for the Minnesota Twins, they are certainly doing the job. C.J. Crone, 275 average, 15 home runs. You've also got Mitch Garver, who's off the injured list, hitting over 300 to go with his 11 home runs. Jonathan Scope, 260 average, 12 home runs. Brian Byron Buxton's been in and out of the lineup, but he's in 260 whenever he's in there. Williams Estadio hitting nearly 270 as well. And then you've also got Nelson Cruz, who you can rely upon as well. He's hitting nearly 280 with a double-digit amount of home runs. Meanwhile, with the Kansas City Royals, you've got a whole lot of struggling bats for this team. Ryan O'Hearn, Lucas Duda, Martin Maldonado, Cam Gallagher, Chris Owings, Billy Hamilton. All these guys are hitting at 225 or lower. Nicky Lopez hitting at 232. Alex Gordon, though, 261 average. He's been doing a good job of being able to get on base. Jorge Soler has provided 20 home runs to go with his 245 average. Adalberto Mondesi has been in and out of the line recently, but he leads the league in slow bases. He's hitting right around at 270. And Whit Merrifield hitting above a 300, but... The Kansas City Royals just really do like firepower. They've got a bunch of guys that are not doing a good job of getting on base. And I do think that this is where Martin Perez is able to get back online and he's able to show his good stuff. This is a spot where I am going to take the under just because the Kansas City Royals are not hitting too well. But I'm going to be taking a look here at the run line of the Minnesota Twins. Currently with the Twins run line, I'm seeing it at even. would like to be able to get a little bit more value, but we're going to be riding out both of those. Now we go to a pair of games that are currently off the board. And it starts with 975, 976 on the bank rotation. You got the Tampa Bay Rays in Oakland to face off against the A's. Tanner Anderson going to be going for the Oakland A's. It is good old to be determined for the Tampa Bay Rays. I hear he's a little bit of a mystery, but delivers his team some great heat, and for that reason this game is off the board. What I think is going to be the case here with the Tampa Bay Rays is that they're going to be using Ryan Stanek as an opener, and then most likely you're going to see Jalen Beeks, and Jalen Beeks has been good right around a 3RA. He has been limiting the hard contact so far this year. Tanner Anderson, in his two starts for the Oakland A's, has actually been pretty good. Combined 11 innings across them, two home runs given up, 327 ERA, 0 0.82 whip. I cannot get over the fact that with the Las Vegas AD Aviators, this guy had an ERA above 6 So He was getting pounded around like a pinata. He was giving up over two home runs per nine innings. This is a spot where you've got to be taking a look at the Rays on the run line. The Rays have won 38 out of their 43 wins by two plus runs, and you've got a pretty dangerous lineup as as well. And you've got Brandon Lowe, who's really the headliner in regards to this team's power. He's hitting right around a 285. He has pounded out 15 home runs so far this year. Austin Meadows at the top of the lineup does a good job of setting the table. 308 average, 12 home runs. Tommy Pham hitting above 300 himself. He's got 10 home runs. Obviously, Garcia, 290 average, 11 home runs. Then you've got G-Man Choi and Kevin Kiermaier both with eight dingers. Kiermaier is hitting right around a 250. G-Man Choi, a 270. You do have Joey Wendell and Mike Zanino. We're letting the team down in regards to average. But then with the Oakland A's, their bats have been eating up a lot. You've got each of their top five hitters in the lineup from Thursday. You have at least 10 home runs, but you've got Chris Davis and Matt Chapman pounding out 16. That's obviously very nice. Marcus Simeon, 283 average. Matt Olson sitting a home run in about every 11 at-bats, but his average is only at a 230. I will say Ramon Loreno is putting things together. 265 average with 11 home runs is great. Robbie Grossman and, and Steven Piscotti both hitting between a 245 and a 250. And you got Jerickson Profar doing a little bit better still hitting a 215 and Jeff Eagley a 270 but 
All in all, I do think that the Tampa Bay Rays should be able to take this one down. With the Oakland A's, the bullpen has been a little bit hit or miss. Blake Tryon and Lou Trevino and company haven't been quite what they were last year. And with the Tampa Bay Rays, you've got so many guys that you can look to. I think that Jalen Beeks will be able to deliver four or five good innings. You've got Ryan Sanek, who typically gives two good innings. So the early lean on this one is the Tampa Bay Rays on the run line and the over. But as always, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at Squared81 for set plays there. Then we move on to 977-978 on the bang rotation. The other game that is off the board and that would be the Baltimore Orioles as they are on the road against the Seattle Mariners. Typically it's the Mariners that are the reason that this game is off the board, but for the Baltimore Orioles we have no earthly idea who's going to pitch for this team. Meanwhile, with the Seattle Mariners, it is going to be Mike Leak. We know this about the Baltimore Orioles. They are 21-53 and 53 on the year, and we also know that Mike Leak gives up the most home runs of any pitcher out there in the big leagues. 22 home runs given up in 95 and two-thirds innings. He's done a good job with his command. Only 16 walks, which is why he has a 4-1-4 ERA, 1-2-2 whip. But with the Baltimore Orioles, you do have a couple guys that are doing a good job of being able to hit home runs. Renato Nunez going into Thursday had a 2.40 average to go with his 16 home runs. Trey Boom Boom Mancini hitting above 300. He's got 16 home runs. You gotta like what Hanser Alberto has been doing as well. He's got a batting average above 300. Jonathan Villar does a decent job of be- being able to get on base as well. He is hitting a 250. You do have a couple guys that are really leaving something to be desired, though. Chris Davis, Keon Broxton, Richie Martin, Rio Ruiz, Stevie Wilkerson, all these guys hitting a 230 or lower. And with both of these guys are hitting below the nose line. Getting back to Whitesmith Jr., though, is huge. He's hitting 250, 41 RBI, 11 home runs. Pedro Severino at the catcher spot has been nice. 275 average. He's got eight home runs and just 135 at bats. And then you got Anthony Santander sitting at 270, but then you take a look at the Seattle Mariners, despite the fact that they've sold off a couple pieces, Omar Navarro and Tom Murphy have been very good at the catcher spot, both these men hitting above a 280, and they have the third most home runs at the catcher spot of any team out there in the big leagues, J.P. Crawford is hitting at 260 for this team, G. Gordon at 270, you got Malik Smith and Mac Williamson who are both hitting a 225 or lower, you could throw Shed Long into that mix as well, and then you've got Dylan Moore who's not doing anything as well, but Tim Beckham seems to be doing an okay job with the power. 11 home runs. Only hitting a 231, though, and it's a liability out there in the field. Kyle Seeger is up in the same players that's coming off the injured list. 227 batting average, but then you've got Daniel Vogelbach and Domingo Santana. These guys have a combined 33 home runs. Vogelbach hitting a 256, and with Domingo Santana, 280 average, you go with 54 RBI. Going to be very curious to see who the Baltimore Orioles trot out there, both the way that Mike Leake is giving up home runs and the way that the Baltimore Orioles pitching staff sucks in general, and the way that the Seattle Mariners are playing right around 70% of their games to the over. Certainly going to be looking at the over and most likely a Seattle Mariners run line here, but check back in the morning at Junior Square one for set plays there. And we wrap things up with 979-980 on the bang rotation. It is the St. Louis Cardinals and they play also the LA Angels. Griffin Canning goes for the LA Angels. Meanwhile, Michael Waka goes for the St. Louis Cardinals. Your total on this game is 9. Over and under, both at minus 110 if you're looking at the Angels. Going to be laying a small number here. That is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. If you like the Cardinals, laying anywhere between minus 102 or getting a plus price at plus 105. And surprisingly, Michael Waka has been a decent first five inning pitcher, but with Michael Waka, it's just really hard to have a lot of faith in this guy at this point. 4-3 and three record, but he has a 6 ERA, 35 walks, and 60 innings, 14 home runs given up. He was a failure as a reliever. He had one good start in the month of June, but past that, things have just not been going well for him in general. You take a look at his last start against the New York Mets. He gives up five runs and four innings there. 
Just not a lot of redeeming qualities. Griffin Canning seems to be falling back to earth as well. This is a gentleman with a 2-3 and three record. His ERA is hovering right around 4, but you take a look at the month of June. In his three starts, he's went six innings in all three of them, but he's given up four runs in two of them. He's given up three runs in the other. In the month of May, he had just one start in which he gave up more than two runs, so he obviously has that good sample size there. And with the LA Angels, they're really starting to mash at this point. Mike Trout going into Thursday's action. Nearly a 300 average, 22 home runs. He has been absolutely sensational. You take a look at Brian Goodwin. He's hitting right around a 280 for this team. Tommy Lasella doing a good job of being able to set the table. He's got an average that is just below 300 to go with his 16 home runs. Daniel Fletcher hitting just below a 300 as well. Justin Upton, since coming back to the lineup, has provided a couple home runs. I will say that Wilfredo Tovar is hitting below the Mendoza line, and then you're leaving something to be desired with a couple of the other guys as well, like Jonathan Lucroy. He's seen his average dip down to a 230. Albert Pujols only hitting a 235-ish along with Cole Calhoun, but for Cole Calhoun, he's got 14 home runs. Albert Pujols, 12 as well. And then you take a look at things for the St. Louis Cardinals. You've got a lot of guys that are struggling with the bat. Matt Carpenter is hitting a 223, which sadly, compared to a couple days ago, is a little bit of an improvement. You've got Marcel Zuna. He's hitting right around a 250. He's been able to ride 18 home runs. You kind of expect that from him, but with Paul Goldschmidt, you expect his average to be a little bit better than a 260. He's had a little bit of a rough go of it so far this year. Harrison Bader has not necessarily been doing his job. You've had Yadier Molina in and out of the lineup. Whenever he's been in it, he hasn't necessarily been too bad. Hitting right around a 260-ish. But then you've also got a couple other guys that are needing to pick it up as well. You notice that Paul DeYoung is dipping with the average. He's provided a double-digit amount of home runs, but he was hitting 300 for most of the year. He's now hitting a 276. Jose Martinez has been doing his job with a 290 as well. But then you've got Colt Wong now hitting a 240. And with the St. Louis Cardinals, the bullpen of this team is decent, but it's not necessarily great. You've got Jordan Nix, who does a good job as a reliever. You're getting something out of John Breba. He's right now got an ERA right around at 3-4, but he pitched yesterday, so you're probably not going to see him. Andrew Miller has been up and down. It's a little bit of a horse apiece with this team, so for that reason, going to take the LA Angels and the over in this spot. I certainly think that we're going to see runs out of both teams, so we're going to be going with both of those. Just some Wayne C mode on the numbers, and that will do it for the Friday edition of MLB Overtime Betting. A big thanks to my guest, Tim Murray, who hosts the Daily Line for NBC Sports Radio for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you ever have a question for the podcast, feel free to tweet it at atgnrsquare81. And by the way, it is now Apple Podcasts, not iTunes. I'm sorry, I forgot about that. But regardless, let's make today a successful, profitable, and fun one. And I'll talk at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.